Welcome to Five Star Weekly. It's match week. How's the new head coach getting on? Who's available? And what's that lineup look like? Let's chat about it all next. Welcome to the show, Five Star Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Mark and Chris. And whereas you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Follow our Twitch for watch-alongs on match days on twitch.tv slash ATLUTDFanTV. But before we get into it, Chris is filling in for Tanner, and Chris is graciously our tweeter on match days on Twitter. And uh, yeah, he does a dope job for us, so give him a warm welcome, Chris, who's also a fellow Gooner. Woo! Up the Reds. London is red. Indeed, indeed. We got uh, we got Mark outnumbered. Well, we usually got Mark outnumbered in, in terms of the red color anyway on this podcast, but <laughs> now, it's, uh, <laughs> now it's to the good side, to the good red. But uh, anyway, so let's get into the show and into the news. It's match week, like I said, at the top of the show. And Atlanta United are training at the stadium, and that's always great to see. I'm stoked, personally, to uh, to see all the players post some things about being in the stadium. They're trying some new uh, atmosphere things. We'll get to that in a bit, but I'm uh, getting just slightly more and more uh, in a really kind of good buzz about the, uh, you know, the the games that are coming up, essentially. But, um, yeah, so uh, moving on from that quickly, uh, LA United, they announced the away match against Orlando City has been rescheduled to Saturday, September 5th at 8 p.m. Uh, that's taking advantage of uh, being on Big Fox. So, yeah, even though we went 0-3 in the MLS's back tournament, we still are... I uh, expected to uh, attract a lot of eyeballs, so uh, that's good. That you know, you know the the big uh, big broadcasters haven't forgot about us. But uh, yeah, so um, moving on from that, LA United they announced that the any of the scheduled September games will not be played in front of fans, and um, that's of course due to the global pandemic. Uh, and yeah, the second phase of scheduled matches will be announced sometime in September. What do you guys feel about that? Uh, I think Mark, we know what you know, so far you felt uh, on the the podcast, but uh, let us know. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that decision pretty much. Um, you know, I just it's it's really tough to say that it's uh it's safe to bring fans in. Um, Dallas, as we know, have already had fans and, um, you know, there were a couple pictures. I don't know if you would say they're out of context or what, but there were a couple pictures of fans, um, not necessarily practicing social distancing, definitely not wearing their mask at all times. And, uh, you know, I just, I think that would be the toughest part, uh, if, and when fans are introduced, I mean, anywhere really, you know, it's how do you enforce protocols? So, um, I think it's probably the smart play for Atlanta, at least to just, you know, avoid it for now again i don't think that we should have fans for the rest of 2020 but that's just how i feel personally yeah and some people are maybe wait and see but it's also yeah uh, i think it was just announced today we're filming this on a wednesday that georgia is the worst in the nation in covid 19 cases so yeah anyway set that up for you chris how do you feel about what's going on <laughs> i completely agree with what mark said i don't I really don't think that there should be any fans um, for the rest of 2020, but it's going to be hard. The temptation is going to be there. I know for a lot of these clubs to open up their stadiums, that's revenue. Um, and in a and in a a sport and in a market that's driven by you know how much money you know generally you can you can make and whatnot. I mean the the stuff on TV is is it's a good chunk of it, but you know the the fans in the stadium is is kind of where a lot of these owners are kind of looking, you know, to see how are we going to make up some of these losses. But yeah, I don't, I don't really see how it's going to be, you know, feasible for anybody to really truly maintain all the protocols. You know, you can wear your, you have to wear your mask unless you're eating or drinking. And what do you do at a game? You know, especially at, you know, uh, you know, uh, in the bins, you're, you're eating and you're, or you have a drink in your hand and you're about to drink. So 
I, I think for safety purposes, you know, this is this is needed. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, and it's probably going to be one of those, you know, things that kind of, you know, stops us from putting out record crowds. I mean, if if anything was going to stop us, I guess the pandemic is 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 a very is a very big thing to kind of stop. You know, the the amount of people who have been coming to see United play. So. And, of course, yeah, we know that uh, Atlanta United fans have a kind of tendency to throw some beverages when we score, so that might not be also the smartest thing as well. You know, I think the uh, the onus on that is going to be very important that they don't do that. But uh, if we do have fans in the stadium eventually. But, um, yeah, some of the teams in our group will have uh, fans in there eventually. And Nashville SC... Uh, will not be one of those, but Orlando City, uh, lo and behold, Orlando City will be one of those teams that allows 25% capacity, uh, and that will be, yeah, one of our games. And yeah, that's, uh, I think for me personally, a little scary. Uh, I hope that, I mean, obviously, there won't be any contact between the players and the fans, but just even if it's open air, I mean, yeah, the science doesn't back that up that anything will happen, but I mean, it's just, uh, you know, hopefully no facilities will be shared whatsoever by just any possibility. But um, that's that's, you know, my biggest, I think, sticking point there. But um, but in terms of atmosphere, LA United will still try to put some atmosphere at the bends. So this Saturday they will be trying to, uh, yeah, pretty much implement some of that, uh, you know, that kind of creativity that we've seen across uh, you know, kind of the world football stage, but for Atlanta United, uh, they will reportedly from AJC, they will be an image of the spike projected onto the big pylon, uh, in the stadium before the game, uh, you know, and then with a hashtag on social media, fans can attempt to try to get on there. It will probably be filtered out for, uh, you know, appropriateness and whatnot for sure. But uh, there won't be fireworks when a goal is scored, but the train whistle will blare. Um, and there will be fan imagery on the halo board when a goal is scored. So, you know, a little bit of like sort of that, uh, you know, um, what's that been? Kind of a Zoom conference for some of the, you know, football teams around the world. And I think ours in our uniqueness will be on the halo board. So that's cool. Uh, and the team has recorded the noise made by supporters from past games and we'll play it throughout the game in an attempt to kind of rev up the players to make them feel as comfortable as possible. What do you guys feel about these uh, kind of implementations to kind of bring a little bit of, you know, uniqueness and normalcy? Mark? Yeah, don't they, well, I feel like, don't they have uh, some experience with this already? Like the old Georgia Dome, they used to say they would uh, pipe noise in for some of the Falcons games, uh, you know, so, I mean, <laughs> um, but I mean, I think it's cool, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised, I guess, I mean, like, the, the Benz is fairly new, so uh, they definitely have the technology, I think it's cool, uh, the fans on the Halo board, I think, would be pretty cool, um, yeah, just doing what they can, I guess, to, like you said, recreate that atmosphere, it makes sense, you know, so I guess, you know, I don't know how much of a difference it makes for the players, but uh, I can understand why they would at least try to do it anyway. Right. And it kind of goes maybe antithesis to maybe what some are have been advocating like, oh, uh, you know, they don't want any sound. They didn't want any noise in the stadium. They just want to be able to hear, uh, you know, the coaches and the uh, players kind of be communicating with each other during a match. But uh, yeah, what, what, what do you feel like, Chris? Yeah. Uh... I think that I think there's only so much you can do to kind of recreate that atmosphere. But I think that what they're trying to do is, you know, it's it's still nice. Um, it'll be it'll be weird not being able to to see the stands, um, you know, watching it on you know watching it on TV or even just you know when you're there. It's just it'll be it's a it's a different type of feeling when you have all those people there. And I think for the players on the pitch. It, I, I I think that you know they may not maybe they don't think so but I think that the 
I think that the crowd, you know, there is a, there's a reason for a home field advantage. There's a reason why for a very long time we were undefeated um, at Mercedes-Benz. And, I, and it's in large part because of the atmosphere that we created. So, I mean, hopefully, though, I mean, these are weird times, but hopefully with all the changes that are going on with United that we can we can string some some wins together with or without fans. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. I mean, uh, yeah, one of our longest streaks and our biggest and best spells, uh, yeah, it's the fans were, uh, yeah, a big part of the history of this club. And, yeah, that's a, it's a, I think maybe why we didn't do so well maybe at the MLS's back tournament, possibly, but uh, there wasn't any of that support to kind of rev our players on. Uh, so moving on from that, the uh, USSF has announced officially that the U.S. Open Cup will be canceled for the 2020 season. Uh, and Atlanta United are, of course, the holders of that. Now, in terms of you know Champions League qualification, that won't be a route this year. And MLS's back tournament kind of supplants one of those. But yeah, the other ways of getting into Champions League next year are up in the air. So we will be waiting on what that announcement will be. But uh, yeah, do, what do you guys think quickly You know about uh, U.S. Open Cup being canceled? Mark? Yeah, not surprised. Uh, once USL teams, I think it was announced that uh, they probably wouldn't participate. I think that kind of pretty much... Uh, knows the the whole point of it, really. So uh, I think it just had to be done at the end of the day. You just got to get in whatever games you can. So yeah, Chris. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you you can't keep adding fixtures that may or may not be played. At that point, you're just gonna have a scheduling nightmare. So um, you know, canceling the tournament, it, you know, it, it was basically it was it already probably had happened before they announced it. So. Yeah, one foot in the grave probably in terms of uh, U.S. Open Cup earlier in the season. Uh, so moving on from that into uh, the transfer updates of the week. So Jonathan Gonzalez, he, uh, according to TUDN, uh, Monterey rejected Atlanta United's kind of uh, bid this past Wednesday. Uh, and uh, yeah, the clubs could not agree on financials. And so, uh, yeah. LA United have apparently bowed out of any negotiations and will kind of uh, maybe, you know, kind of leave it be in terms of Jonathan Gonzalez. And if uh, he's still available in January, they might be facing some competition for his services. But, uh, I mean, yeah, we've been linked to a few defensive midfielders uh, in the past week, uh, week, months, month or so, rather. And, uh, yeah. You know, we haven't really settled on one just yet. But, uh, yeah, you know, the MLS transfer window just opened on August 12th and will close on October 29th. So there still is some time for us to get some business done if uh, they're still putting a priority on that. And it seems like it is. I mean, if uh, a bid was being made still today on a Wednesday. So, Mark, what, what do you feel like? Uh, you know, Jonathan Gonzalez not, uh, you know, being the guy that we ultimately bring in. Yeah, I mean, I would have been excited about it for sure. Um, I guess probably the price was just a little bit too high right now, um, at least for Atlanta United's liking. You know, so that just kind of is what it is. I mean, he wouldn't he wouldn't have come cheap. There's not, I think, is what it's only two other players that cost Atlanta United more than ten million dollars in terms of a transfer fee. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm fine with them, I guess. Not uh, not really pursuing it too hard right now, especially with, you know, you still have to see how the rest of the season plays out. So, um, if they revisit in January, that's cool. But uh, um, I think I'm fine with them not uh, pursuing that transfer for now. Yeah, because initially it was going to be maybe a loan first and then maybe pay up that $10 million in uh, 2021, but you know there is sort of the, we're t- trying to take advantage of that U22 rule because he is only 21 years old, and so it is, uh, yeah, something that we it could have been, uh, you know, we could have worked out some sort of kind of finagling like uh, we usually are often to do. But uh, yeah, Chris, do you feel like uh, you know without Jonathan Gonzalez being the guy? I mean, I'm okay with it too, and. Um, for slightly different reasons, just simply, I mean, you know, whether 
whether we currently have our future head coach in the building or if we are going to go a different route. I think it's important that um, a lot of the business we do kind of, you know, mirrors what the the coach is looking to do. So, you know, at this point, you know, I'm not I'm not too discouraged by by missing out on them. Um, I, w- I would have been excited too, but again, you know, it's it really for me the transfers are kind of are going to kind of come down to, you know, the the style of play that we're going to be trying to do and whether or not um, you know we have some in-house options that are are currently doing it or not, which right now is up for debate because again of all the transitions that we've been going through, it's just. There's a lot of uncertainty, so I'm, I'm okay with missing out on it because I don't know how he would fit in right now, um, just based on not knowing what our best 11 is. So, Yeah, no, certainly that's, uh, yeah, money and the pandemic and, you know, how it's going to pan out is definitely uh, big concerns and, you know, the uncertainty. Yeah, we, we just really, uh, if we bring in a high-dollar player like that and then our next coach doesn't like him, I mean, that's a... Uh, yeah, it could be a big issue. So, uh, but moving on from that uh, into Eric Lopez, uh, he will reportedly join LA United on Monday, August twenty fourth. That's according to Wilson Gonzalez of ABC Cardinal. And uh, yeah, you know he already did apparently a ten day quarantine, and uh, yeah, he had two negative COVID nineteen tests. He's been training separately at the training grounds. So, yeah, I mean, not too bad. Only misses one game potentially. I mean, probably will miss a little bit more because he's got to get integrated into the team and train with the team to get a little bit of chemistry before he uh, he steps in and gets any minutes. But, um, yeah, does it make sense to you guys? Like, you know, maybe the time frame, did, did it take longer than expected? Like, what, what do you guys think? Mark? Yeah, I mean, this was uh, kind of a bigger transfer, you know, with uh, with how big a deal, um, how much excitement, I guess, there was in Paraguay for this deal to go through. So there was probably a bit of negotiation. And then, uh, yeah, you know, with the whole traveling restrictions thing, and then he's got a quarantine and all that. I'm not, I think, I'm going to assume everyone did what they can to get him here as soon as possible. And, you know, he only misses one game. That, that just kind of is what it is. Uh, he's obviously somewhat met the team you know he's obviously been training somewhat so um i'm still excited but i think he still has a chance to make an impact in this uh, initial phase of games yeah chris yeah i think that you know the i think that if he were to feature on saturday it would, it would have probably been you know a very brief period of time i don't think it would have been from the from the um you know from the whistle um so i don't think that him missing out on this game is going to be, you know, terribly different than what would have happened anyway. But um, no, I'm, I'm again, I'm excited to see, excited to see some some new faces in this team too. Definitely, yeah, maybe some guys that will, uh, yeah, put the ball in the back of the net. That's uh, I'm sure a lot of fans will be, uh, yeah, clamoring for that. But uh, yeah, that bit of uh, training news that he was training separately comes from our good friend Roberto Rojas of BN Sports. So shout out to him. But um, yeah, so speaking of Eric Lopez, we have a head coach rumor in Paraguay U-17 national team manager Gustavo Mourinho, uh, who also has coached Eric Lopez with the U-17s. But uh, he reportedly has emerged as a potential candidate to lead Atlanta United in 2021, according to Union FC 800. And uh, yeah, he's apparently... Uh, left his position as the head coach of the U-17s and said that there was a proposal from the, a team in the United States, but did not say which team it was. Whether he is the guy or not, uh, I mean, he has a little bit of a track record, apparently, uh, according to our friend Roberto Rojas, uh, from clubs in the country and the top three levels of the national team, the U-17s, U-20, and the senior, where he was an interim manager. But uh, he helped Nacional finish runners-up in the Copa Libertadores in 2014 uh, and qualified the Paraguay U-17s for two consecutive World Cups. But is he of the level that we are searching for? Is he, you know, of that pedigree? Me, personally, I have my skepticism. If we're bringing in optics-wise, 
a U-17 Paraguay coach. I'm not so sure that uh, the fans will be absolutely thrilled with that, even if he does just have everything else ticked off. But uh, quickly, what, what do you guys feel like you know, hearing this, uh, this rumor? Mark? Yeah, I agree with you. I think his resume is just a tad bit light. Um, I would prefer if I lean United, you know, went after a big name coach. I mean, like, you know, just because he's not a big name doesn't mean he won't do well. But I kind of agree with you. Uh, yeah, I kind of want to see Atlanta United aim high on their next hire. Chris? I would, too. Uh, it's again, it's not because he might not do well, but. You know, you go from Tata, you know, and who his he had a very sense of pedigree, and you know, say what you want about Frank, but he's at least been offered roles um, at clubs that again have um, have some uh, prestige to him as well, and you know, him being also a fairly well known person in the game itself was you know something there too. So I'd like to see I'd like to see an established coach, um, one who's one who's had some success. Um, and one who's at the very least experienced some adversity as well on the on the big stage so they can hopefully turn this ship around yeah i mean uh, and uh, apparently he's like only 43 years old so he's yeah uh you know kind of fresh off of just playing and uh could be hungry could be you know that type of guy but yeah like i said pedigree just might be lacking but um anyway moving on uh to our interim head coach who's been speaking some good things about atlanta united uh he's saying atlanta united is a huge club it's very very well supported there's an expectation of what they're going to see they uh they want to see attacking football and yeah stephen glass also spoke with ajc recently about uh, what he expects out of his uh team and what he wants them to do he says that I hope they're going to see an aggressive team on the front foot, a team that is not going to stand and wait to see what happens, a team that's able to defend if we are under pressure for long spells, that we're resilient enough to stand up to anything a team throws at us. They will be hardworking. They will be organized, and you're going to see good players organized in a manner that's built to attack and win games. Lofty stuff to say before, uh, I mean, basically this is his first real, like, uh, you know, big time job even as an interim head coach but uh you know that's i think what we want to hear at the very least but uh brad guzan he also lauded stephen glass he said uh the open communication between the coaches and the players since taking over has been really really good uh he said it wasn't happening under frank de Boer to the extent that it's happening now he also went on to say that, uh, yeah, the team's work since returning from Orlando has been great from the film breakdowns to conversations during and after training. He said, quote, we are a young group. You need to talk about the stuff, iron it out in training so that on match day, it's smooth sailing and everything goes well. We know it's not going to be perfect, but we what we are expecting as a group and as a club is to continue to progress. Need to make sure we as players are going out and doing what's asked of us. And, uh, yeah, in terms of, uh, you know, some of the other players as well, Jeff Lorenowitz, he said that he's, um, yeah, looking forward to all of, uh, all of this, uh, the kind of hard work paying off. So over the last three weeks, the amount of work uh, being put in from the staff, from the players, from us as a group together collectively has been tremendous. From video before training to little conversations during training, before training, after training, Having these conversations, talking about plays that happen in scrimmages, plays that happen in certain exercises, it's uh, understanding how we're wanting to deal with certain things that happen on the field. These are good things in my eyes. These are all conversations that need to be had. So, yeah, what do you guys, uh, yeah, how do you guys feel after hearing all of that from Brad Guzan, Jeff Lorenowitz, and Stephen Glass? Mark. Yeah, I think uh, particularly Guzan's comments uh, stand out to me, and I think you know, I, I assume he's not really trying to take shots at the previous uh, coaching regime, but it's hard not to look at it as, as at least veiled criticism. You know what I mean? When he's talking about the difference in communication, um, you know, just feeling more comfortable overall. So it's, uh, I think now, it, you know, if the players are going to, I guess, talk this talk and essentially load uh, how glasses approaching them, 
the next step is for them to actually play well. And so um, I think the onus is on the players at this point to show what they can do, especially if, as they claim, they're now uh, more playing towards their style. Maybe some certain players are playing in positions that they're comfortable with, whereas versus under the board, maybe they weren't. So, um, yeah, I think uh, you you hear I think you hear optimism on anything else, which is which is good. Right. It seems like they're welcoming in the interim head coach, so that's really great yeah. to see, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say that um, that Glass is a lot better at uh, at, at talking um, than uh, than his predecessor was. Um, so I mean, that is that's very uh, with what he says and, and and what he and the way he's approaching and the way he seems to be catering to what the players want. I think is is already an improvement. But you know, like Mark said, the players got to show this at this point. We gotta, we gotta see it on the field too. Um, everybody's saying the right things. Everybody seems like they're, um, you know, in the right headspace. But you know, will it translate to a a better game? You know, something that passes the eye test and you know gets us points. We'll, we'll see about that. Yeah, no, it's a great point. But it's also, I mean, you know, going in uh, to the MLS's back tournament, we we're all talking about a, a big game in terms of the players as well. And uh, yeah, they kind of laid an egg, but then you kind of heard where there were conversations about uh, the tension and all that. And, you know, hopefully there isn't just talk this time. Yeah, maybe they do walk the walk as well. Uh, Jeff Lorowitz also uh, talked about uh, changing his daily habits uh, as MLS begins play outside of the bubble. He said uh, the thing that he changes, uh, my kids aren't going to school, so I don't screw up MLS. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, I think all you need to hear about that, I think really is, to, uh, yeah, that's probably pretty wise, actually. I think, I don't know if uh, kids are really taking a gap year, but it might be wise to not have your kids kind of go to school this year, maybe. I don't know. Me personally, I wouldn't, but maybe some would. Chris, you have a kid. I don't know if he is or not. No, he's not. He's um, not. We <laughs> are, uh, we're taking, no, we're taking the, um, taking a crazy approach and actually going to do um you know homeschool for at least the rest mm -hmm. of this year and then see where we are next year at this point wow more power to you man that's uh yeah because <laughs> yeah. all the yeah. parents that's all the love, parents of it, yeah had to do this <laughs> i mean wow you they start to realize how important teachers really really are but uh yeah so moving on from that LGP was asked uh, on the call-up podcast, the MLS podcast, uh, about various amount of topics, but including, of course, Atlanta United. And he said, quote, Atlanta will always be special to me for every single reason. I had my first daughter there. I bought my first house there. I became a champion there. I had great times there with the fans, with the players. I have a lot of friends there. I have a lot of moments in my heart and my head. It will always be special for me. He also, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, he, he kind of talked about also uh, the relationship with Frank DeBoer, where he's kind of mentioned, you know, he said it before uh, the All-Star game last year, where there were things that he didn't like, and, you know, the players didn't like, and pretty much everything else is just in the past now. The reasons why he left, you really won't get into, but um, yeah, we will be seeing LGP in uh, these set of games because now he's eligible to play for Inter Miami. Will it be a little bit bittersweet, or uh, will you be maybe hating on LGP? What, what do you guys feel like? Uh, Chris, I'll throw it to you first. I, I can't hate on LGP. I mean, you know, with the circumstances around him leaving, you know, whatever they be, um, you know, I I enjoyed his time here. So um, I don't think he, you know, I don't think there's going to be any any hard feelings. I think most of the players who have actually played for United and then left, I don't think that there's really one I can think of off the top of my head that's been like, yeah, they, they left at a really you know, really bitter time. I mean, you know, maybe there's an argument for Gressel because we didn't pay him, but I mean, at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I got nothing against LGP, you know, on the, on the night, you know, if he ends up, you know, 
you know, hurting somebody. You know, he's a little bit of a he's a little bit of a rough guy. I don't know, but I mean, you know, otherwise, no. Yeah, there won't be fans to uh, maybe boo that moment, but he did say also that he, if he scored against us, he will not be celebrating. Of course, uh, Atlanta is just mm-hmm. too special for him to do that. What, what do you feel about about that, Mark? Uh, I think it's a great move for him. You know, like I certainly think he can be uh, one of the best center backs in MLS. I think uh, Miami did a great job in identifying him, uh, and we, you know, we kind of remember. Because you know what he did for Atlanta United, because he was a good, was he a good player? He was like the glue guy. You know, everyone. Uh, it was always uh, Labanda at his house, and you know, and whatnot. So, um, I'm just happy for him. I hope he's happy. Uh, I'll never root against him personally. You know, although I don't want Miami to do well at our expense. So, but uh, it's good that he's back in the league. I am happy about that. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm just like uh, I, I rue that I never got to taste some of that uh, asador from his backyard man, it would have been oh, it would have been so good but uh <laughs> one day man one day one day, one day <laughs> somehow yeah we'll like go to miami we'll knock on his door and uh, he'll probably yeah. not answer the remember door. us <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> who are you but uh yeah so um moving on from that atlanta united they announced a new homegrown signing in efren morales uh, yeah, the 16-year-old defender, he's the eighth player to join as an, a homegrown player for Atlanta United. And uh, yeah, he's the first player to sign from the Academy's inaugural U-12 team. Uh, wow, I mean, that's uh, you know, kind of crazy uh, just how young these kids are, one. But, uh, but also, yes, he will be joining as the homegrown player in 2021. Uh, but he has been playing with Atlanta United 2. He made his debut last week, you know, uh, with Atlanta to scored a goal. I mean, fairy tale, just ridiculous. Uh, but then he made his first start against Miami FC on Wednesday tonight, and uh, yeah, I mean, seems like uh, the team's high on him and just are working him in pretty quickly. And uh, really good to see. I mean, just uh, you know, a six-four defender, oodles of potential. Uh, apparently good on the ball as well. I mean, a guy that uh, I think, um, you know, can and has all the tools. He just needs to put it together. Uh, and hopefully one day he plays for the uh, the first team. And, you know, if he's moving up this quickly, it's, uh, you know, maybe very, very soon. But, um, yeah, with LA United 2, uh, a tough set of results recently. I mean, uh, a couple draws, and it's really, yeah, I mean, playing pretty decently but then just kind of giving away leads uh tonight they also uh pretty much gave away a lead and it ended up 2-2 against miami fc but uh yeah but they've been giving a lot of time to the young kids and that's really ultimately what it's about for LA united too at the end of the day uh you know some of the uh u12 guys in caleb wiley uh in the o2 guys in coleman gannon and will riley and a Johnny Fortune, and then an O3 guy in Matthew Edwards, who have all been uh, playing for LA United 2 or on the 18, and you know, just uh, yeah, kind of making look like the uh, the future is bright. But moving on from that, uh, a lone watch with Andrew Carlton and Indy 11. He has been balling out, and uh, yeah, he's had uh, quite a, a decent run of it with that USL team, but uh, he's had a yeah, reportedly 14 shots with five on target, six key passes, and two assists in seven games so far for them. And uh, yeah, he's established a solid chemistry with the league's uh, one of the league's best strikers in Tyler Pasher, who uh, yeah was also quickly very uh, very uh, brief brief time uh, an Atlanta United player, but uh, really only in a, kind of you know an economic deal and. Uh, it was that Kenwin Jones deal that uh, brought him to KC where he promptly retired. But, uh, yeah, so uh, he didn't make it there, but he's uh, doing well with Andrew Carlton. And, uh, yeah, it's great to see. But, anyway, that does it for the news and uh, gets us to a little bit of housekeeping. And, uh, yeah, follow our Twitch for some watch-alongs and uh, other fun things. So, yeah, watch-alongs on match day. 
some uh, FIFA streams throughout the week. Yeah, twitch.tv slash TV. Join us there for some banter and some fun. But anyway, let's move on from the news into the mailbag. And you guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so. We might answer your question in the future. But first question comes from Alanda Boy. Alanda Boy asks, how's Joseph doing? We get asked this weekly, so uh, you know, we'll just give a little update. He, uh, he seems to be doing quite well. He posted today a, a post-workout photo where he's all sweaty, shirtless, and yeah, looks like he's uh, you know, not only been kicking a ball recently, he's now uh, yeah, progressing further in his rehab. So it's good to see, but yeah, he has uh, been ruled out of 2020, but uh, yeah, good to see that fans are still caring about him and asking about him, so that's good. Uh, next question comes from Etowah Henry. That's why Henry asks, what's your bet on which formation leads to the most goals this season? I'll uh, go ahead and put Mark on the spot here. Which formation do you think? (laughs) It's a tough question. So, it is. It is. Um, Because it's not probably just one formation, but that's the question. Right, yeah. I'm going to say the most goals we score come out. I think we'll end up playing 4-3-3 the most. Um, You know, just with the personnel that we have. Um, I think particularly, you know, I've talked a lot about Hasetu. Um, I'm still excited to see what he can do. I still think he has a skill set that LA United um, needs. Um, I think he can help make other players like Barco and PT better, you know, playing alongside them. So um, I want to say the 4 3 is probably our most prolific formation. That makes sense. Chris? I think so too. Um, but I do think that uh, just based on based on kind of what our needs and I think based on um you know some of the teams that we're going to be playing we don't the one thing that we don't have a whole lot of is um height so I think that you know our best our 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 strength might be to to try to to try to move it down you know the middle still use our our fullbacks to what we're going to do but um you know I'm I'm more partial to the the 4-3-3 but I think that you know, there's going to be times when we're going to have, you know, more like a, a four, 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 one, one, or, um, you know, you know, I, 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 I dread having the three at the back, but, um, you know, formations like that, I think we are going to rotate, um, you know, quite frequently. And I'm, I think that whatever, whatever formation we use, if we can, if we can play a lot of our, of our ball through the middles, um, you know, against, Again, a lot of these physical teams and whatnot, put them on skates, um, have them backing up, then that would be great. And I think the best way to do that is to kind of, you know, overload your middle and have, you know, a, a couple of, you know, that that four four one one and that middle four being like some kind of some kind of hybrid with a couple of attacking mids and whatnot in there. Yeah. And I think, yeah, for me, uh, looking at the, you know, the personnel that we have in hand, uh, Kubo Torres probably plays best probably with somebody uh, kind of with him, but if we're trying to counterattack, then uh, you know, a ball over the top for him seems like uh, the right type of uh, play for him to, to be able to score as he can uh, do quite well on one-on-one situations. Uh, but also, yeah, uh, Jurgen Dom is a guy that uh, will be integrated into the team and uh, whether it's Dom or it's Brooks Lennon, I mean, one of those guys, yeah, they both are fairly similar in a sense where it's a pacey guy that will be expected to put a ball in, whether it's a, uh, you know, a varied type of cross, you know, or getting in behind defenses. And so, uh, yeah, it's got to be some kind of iteration of, you know, a 4 3 3 or 4 2 3 1 that will probably get the best out of these players. And PT, yeah, I think has to be in and around or near that 10 position because yeah i think asking him to do anything outside of that i think is making him a little bit more uncomfortable but um yeah moving on from that adana costa asks uh what are your expectations for next season okay my guy this season's not even finished so uh, it's a it's a little bit lofty of a question to ask what's happening next season I, I guess you're maybe giving up on this season but uh i'm just 
I'll, I'll just go ahead and answer and just say expectations for next season. They will probably be better than I think what we're expecting for this season because 2020, 2020 is a write-off. We've said that many times before. And so, uh, yeah, that's at the very least better than 2020. Uh, next question comes from Henry Higita. Uh, how do you feel about Atlanta under Steven Glass? I think we kind of answered it uh, before in uh, the news, but uh, just quickly, like, you know, what's your general feeling about Steven Glass, Mark? Um, optimistic. You know, I think all the right things are being said. Now we just have to see it. But um, it sounds like they kind of, uh, everybody involved wants to get Atlanta United back to what we know them for. So that's a good start. Yeah. Chris. I'm cautiously excited. Uh, it's it's new. It's our technically our third coach so I'm, I'm I am hopeful too that um, you know this puts us this puts us back on the right track yeah I think yeah he's I feel saying, like that's a <laughs> what was that sorry oh, I was gonna say I feel like that's a typical Arsenal fan reaction <laughs> like, cautiously excited you know we've oh, been man. down this road before <laughs> were you uh, were you I'm cautiously just... excited Mark when you uh, entered into the <laughs> FA Cup against us yeah. Okay. I think yeah. I was, actually. <laughs> hey, during, so, during transfer season, during transfer season for Arsenal fans, you're always cautiously excited. <laughs> always. Yeah, it's like we might get that player, but we, there's a very high chance that we probably are not. But uh <laughs> since we're linked to everybody in the world usually and then it's like, oh, we get I don't know, Lucas Perez. But uh anyway, so <laughs> Uh, last question comes from Cortez17 ATL UTD. He asks, what do you think the lineup will be on Saturday night with some new players that came in? Well, stick around for the match preview that's coming up. Uh, sorry not to not answer your question completely in this uh, segment, but uh, yeah, stay tuned for that in this match preview. So anyway, that does it for the questions from the mailbag. And that gets us now to the match preview and yes, we will be playing Nashville SC at the Benz for the first time in ever. And it will be 7 p.m. And yes, uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting because yes, there will not be any fans. Uh, it will be the second meeting ever between the two clubs. And of course, we beat them 2-1 on February 29th, which is, that was six months, <laughs> six months ago, guys. Wow. <laughs> I remember, yeah, like we went to that game and it was kind of a should we be out here type of uh, feeling. So definitely it's uh it's been weird, but yeah. Anyway, uh Nashville like a decade ago. <laughs> seriously does. Uh anyway, so Nashville of course had to bow out of the Nash or the MLS's back tournament uh along with FC Dallas, but that was due to too many COVID nineteen tests that were positive. And, yeah, I think at some point they had, I believe, nine players that had tested positive. So it was uh, it had to happen. But uh, they have been playing FC Dallas. Uh, they played two matches against each other in Frisco. And that first one went 1-0 to Nashville, who, yeah, now got their first win ever in their existence. And then a 0-0 draw. And, uh, yes, they have, of course, been playing in front of fans to much controversy as well because of the uh yeah the uh the national anthem that they weren't really supposed to play because the players had requested them not to and then they played it anyway and then fans some fans threw uh objects at the field and uh yeah it's uh, just a very very unsavory situation right now but anyway uh the officials for this match will be Ted Uncle and VAR will be Chris Penso who, uh, yeah, uh, Chris Penso, uh, he's he's one of those guys, I think, around MLS in terms of uh, official-wise that you're just like, uh, this guy. Uh. But at least he'll yeah. be in the booth, I guess. But um, he could screw us over via the VAR. So uh, we, we all know how famous that's been at the Benz, of course, with the numerous VAR. The world. Yeah, well, I'm going to knock on wood <laughs> as well. But... <laughs> But that is already a fact. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, anyway, uh, yeah, Nashville SC, they're definitely a club that uh, has been very stout defensively. Uh, 
yeah, not conceding very many goals so far, but it is, uh, yeah, the biggest question for them is who's going to put the ball in the back of the net. Of course, uh, against us, Jordan Zimmerman hit one into the back of the net, uh, and he's a defender. But uh, yeah, their their goal scoring department is just a little bit lacking at the moment. Uh, now, their uh, their head coach Gary Smith, uh, he's a guy that yeah, kind of likes to set them up for you know kind of that smash and grab essentially. Uh, they like to attack on set pieces. They like to create some long shot opportunities, and they're really really good aerially. So yeah, they're that type of team that. They're going to be bruising us, and we're just going to have to try and figure out their deep block. So it's uh, going to be a lot of fun. I, I probably prognosticate that, uh, yeah, it's I, I would I would guess it's a low-scoring low game. But um, So in terms of uh, some quotes and notes, uh, Brad Guzan, he said that um, we want to get back to scoring goals. We want to get back to being exciting, to being a threat, and to making it a scary thing when, seen, uh, when teams see that they're playing Atlanta United. And uh, I think, yeah, that's music to our ears, of course. Uh, Fernando Mesa, he said that the negative energy around Atlanta United's camp in Orlando was just one of the many factors that led to the club's three consecutive losses. Uh, of course, those were 1-0 losses, as we all remember, but heading into their match versus Nashville... Mesa believes that ATL just has to win even ugly in order to rebuild. So, you know, good uh, good there. Very, very interesting thing here is that he said of manager or interim manager uh, Stephen Glass, he said, hopefully Glass does so well that he can continue working with us. I mean, that's huge words. I think he would be saying that, uh, you know, he's continuing to work with us permanently. I mean, obviously... That's uh, just a little early for that. We need to see how he does uh, with our performances and results first. But, uh, yeah, very quickly, like, you guys have any thoughts on Mesa saying that about Glass? Mark? Well, I mean, I've said before, I think that uh, Glass, this is kind of an audition for Glass maybe in the future, um, you know, whether it's with Atlanta United or another team. Um, so, you know, I, I think if he does well, he should at least get consideration. Yeah. So I think he would have to, I will say, I think he would have to like do extremely well to really be a serious considerate contender for the permanent uh, appointment. But I don't know. I mean, like I wouldn't rule it out. Like I said, he's been saying all the right things. If they can follow through on what they've been talking about, you have to consider it at least. Right. Cause Darren Neal's has been saying that, uh, yeah, Steven Glass will return to LA United to uh, win and if we find a permanent head coach. But uh, yeah, I mean, there is that possibility that Glass can outright win this job. Maybe a la Ole Gunnar Solskjaer of Man United. And so, uh, you know, there there is precedence. Obviously, he's not the only one. But uh, the most recent to memory is someone like that who's, yeah, I think, uh, you know, knows the club quite well and kind of can bring that ethos of the club forward. Uh, Chris, real quick, yeah, thoughts on Mesa on glass like that? I think it's, I think it's great when players, um, you know, back up um, a new coach. I think that's important. And I, I honestly, you know, again, if they're, if they're motivated, um, you know, I, I know there's something called like, um, you know, like a, a new manager bounce where, all the players are so, I guess, are so excited, or at the very least, um, have something to prove to the new manager coming in. But um, I don't know if Glass is going to have that impact or not. But you know, I, you know, again, everybody is saying the right thing, so you know, there's reason to be hopeful um, for for this um, regime, whether it's you know it's intermediate or temporary, um, or it ends up being long term, which. You know, I agree. I don't think it's going to be, but, um, you know, it's just, it's nice to have that. Yeah. Cautiously optimistic, one might say, right? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so moving on from that, uh, yeah, Emerson Heinemann said that, uh, he's been moved up higher on the pitch under Stephen Glass. That's great to see because I think, you know, his best spells with us, uh, kind of notably in the Campionas Cup as well was, when he was kind of, uh, you know, combining with our players in the middle, uh, off of the left, 
and driving towards goal. And I think, yeah, you do want to see him kind of closer to the forwards, closer to the uh, the wingers. And um, yeah, that that way you kind of, uh, you know, get him more involved because he is one of our bigger goal threats, I think, as we saw earlier in the season as well. But uh, so anyway, moving on to the players to watch. And for Nashville, it's uh, for Dominique Baji, the 27-year-old Senegalese. Will he be able to put some of those goals in the back of the net? Uh, also, the 23-year-old Rondo Lille, also a forward. Uh, eight goals and 47 appearances for Saprissa. Yeah, I mean, I think you're sensing maybe a theme that's it's just, uh, you know, these guys maybe aren't... Uh, the kind of big goal scorers that they need to kind of complete this team. Uh, and also, uh, you have Dax McCarty, the veteran, the MLS veteran, who uh, is wily and can really, I think, help you organize uh, your side. And yeah, when they're kind of maybe probably playing in a deep block, it will be uh, he will be a very important figure in their team. But uh, yeah, for us, I think obviously it will be P.T. Martinez and Ezekiel Barco. Uh, both of them kind of have something to prove they uh you know with frank de boer uh going out you know pt martinez i think i think most of all i think has um not only a chip on his shoulder but also maybe a target on his back for uh many of you know not only fans but uh you know maybe other players around the league they'll be saying yeah prove something to us but uh also i think kubo torres jurgen dom are a couple of players that will yeah be needed to integrate it into the team so we will see how they do it uh in terms of injuries and unavailable players for nashville uh dominique baji has a quad injury and is questionable uh jimmy mandranda uh is a midfielder and also has a hip injury also questionable but of course for atlanta united joseph martinez is out with the acl and eric lopez will not be available until monday august 24th if uh, if he even really is involved uh, in the next week or so, I think uh, if he is at the least involved, it's maybe as a really just as a five minute sub, just to kind of get a couple of uh, minutes under his belt. But uh, let's get into some of the uh, the keys of the game for uh, you know for me. I think it's the combinations between Hyman, PT, and Barco, uh, and to be incisive through the middle because we need to. Really, yeah, you know, be able to play through those playmakers. Those are the guys that will drive and run this team. What about you guys? What were some keys to the game for you guys? Mark? Yeah, I um, I actually totally agree with that. And I thought uh, Hyman's quote was interesting where he said he's playing now um, back where he's more comfortable, you know, playing with the strikers and the forwards. And so <laughs> I think it's... Most likely, if we get goals, it's going to be through that combination play through the middle. Um, it's going to, I think, spacing will be interesting as well because if Barco PT and Hyman all play at the same time, they do like to uh, occupy the same areas. And so, you know, who will be providing that with? I am curious to see as well whether, you know, it's Escobar or Bello getting up the field from the fullback positions or what. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the combination play and uh, and width, I think, is what I'm looking for. Chris, keys of the game? Uh, I think it's going to be... Um, I think it's going to be patience, to be honest. Um, you know, this, it's not going to be necessarily a free-flowing game. Um, and I know in the past, uh, you know, there's been frustration sometimes with the players. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of an intangible, but just, you know being patient without you know without without dawdling so i i'd like to see um i go you know kind of what both of y'all have said about you know playing through the middle um you know like i was saying earlier i think that's our best chance um you know to break down these teams who are going to kind of um you know try to try to counter on us so i think that you know uh patience and taking our chances when they do come um you know not missing gaping gaping shots at goal um, you know, and and just you know, get not getting frustrated if if the play doesn't open up immediately. It's been a rough, rough month and a half, I guess. So just having patience and being able to um, play our game the way that we want to, I think, is going to be a big key. Yeah, 
Uh, definitely, yeah, that's a great point. And also, I think fatigue levels, uh, since we haven't really played in a month, uh, will be fairly, fairly important here as well. And some of these guys haven't even played maybe uh, in a, quite a while in Kubo Taurus and Jurgen Dom. So, yeah, I mean, these guys will uh, really, you'll have to watch their fitness levels. And uh, I think a lot of these players will not be match fit. I think that that's just going to be very apparent. And we'll just have to be patient there as well as fans. But uh, getting into what was the lineup for Nashville last match, they played a 4-4-2 against FC Dallas. They also played a 4-2-3-1, I believe, uh, in that previous match where they won. So they, I think, definitely had to mix it up a little bit to uh, to try to maybe throw them off a little bit. But uh, yeah, it seems like they're keeping it rather simple. And uh, yeah, they will probably, like I said, sit in the deep block. But uh, for us, let's get into our predicted 11. It will be very interesting because obviously there's some new players. There's some uh, players that need to right the ship, some players that are proving some things. So yeah, very interesting indeed how they could line up. Well, let's get through the line together. And uh, yeah, Mark, what's your... Uh, okay, Guzan's the goalkeeper. Let's just move on past that. Obvious there. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what's your uh, what's your shape and what's your defense look like? So I think we come out in a uh, four two three one kind of look. Um, four man back line of Escobar, Robinson, Mesa, and Bello. Um, in the two uh, in front of defense, I think will be Larry and uh, Lorenowitz and Rometty. Uh, I think Rometty, I think, will be given license to go forward a little bit, where whereas uh, Larry will probably just sit in front of defense. Um, and then in the band of three, I think we will see PD Hyman and Barco Hyman in that kind of number ten role. Um, PD and Barco flanking him, of course, with the uh, Torres up top. Yeah, I think that uh, gives us the best chance to, you know, play that combination play. Um, like I said, I'm curious to see how much the fullbacks get involved. Um, and I think in terms of solidity, uh, probably just having uh, at least one person sitting in front of defense and uh, at times two uh, is probably the way that uh, probably the best look for us right now. Uh, I know we were asked about new players before. I don't have too many new players in there. I think uh, Dom is a possibility to come in uh, maybe on the right wing. Maybe PD moves to the 10 at that point. You know, something I could see happening. Um, so, but yeah, I think that's how we, I think that's our look. Yeah, I, I like how uh, you, you have Larry in there. I think uh, against a big team like Nashville and one that's going to, uh, yeah, you know, sit a little deeper. Then you know you may need on some of those set pieces to be able to defend them and maybe try to score from some of them if we get you know the chances ourselves. But uh, yeah, Chris, what do you, what do you? Uh, how's your team lining up? I have the exact same back four. Um, but I do think just based on the way Bellows played over the past or over the MLS back turn, and I think that where he's going to be going forward a lot, and I think Escobar on the other side is probably going to do that same sort of thing, have that sort of balance on the flanks. And so with my lineup, I, I basically have, um, you know, the one, um, you know, sitting in front of the back four, um, you know, kind of like what Mark was talking about um, in Remedi. Uh, I thought about Jeff, um, but I think we're. I think that we would probably move to bring him on in the at the second half if things are going well. Um, you know, my my ideal is if things are going well, Jeff is coming on. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I cling to on that one for this match. But um, I, I basically have a uh, basically a four four one one, but with little differences because again, those two. I think those two. Um, you know, fullbacks are going to be flanking and coming up and, and joining the attack um, more frequently than they aren't. Um, you know, and I think Rometty is going to be the one sitting in front of the, the back four, um, which leaves the three other ones in the middle um, to be uh, uh, Pitti and Heinemann. Um, but I, I do have uh, interesting, maybe it's more of a hope um, of Ozeto coming on and being that other one in there and then having Barco kind of play um, just off of Castro. I, I like Torres to be in there mostly um, because I'm, I'm excited about um, excited about him and what he can bring. But, you know, like you said, I, I don't think that the new guys have enough match fitness to start 
at the at the at the first whistle. So I think that they'll probably be, you know, him and um and Dom are probably going to be you know substitutions rather than starters. But they could easily they could easily be Torres instead of Castro. So yeah, uh, I, it makes a lot of sense for me. I mean, it's a you know Rometty possibly being that guy that's uh, you know is the guy that sits between the, the center backs maybe as well. And when we're in possession, uh, you know, in your lineup, yeah, Castro, obviously that will be maligned by a lot of people because yes, he did miss a couple sitters during the MLS bag tournament. But uh, the fact that, yeah, he, he did get into those positions. It is one of those things where, you know, I think if you put him in those positions more often than not, then he probably will put them away. Uh, you know, it, he's one of those guys it seems like that's a little bit more confidence based and uh, especially with, you know, uh, the previous teams that he's been with, he's kind of, yeah, a little bit of a, um, you know, maybe an ego player or not an ego player, but just a, a you know, um, what's the word? Confidence player. Confidence player. Thank you. And so, uh, anyway. Streaky. Yeah, streaky a little bit. But, um, yeah, my lineup uh, is going to kind of look more like a 4 3 3, I think. Same back line, Escobar, Robinson, Mesa, Bello. Uh, I think it's still Bello's job to lose at left back. And, you know, him going forward, it was still, I think, uh, you know, something really, I think, exciting. I mean, he was uh, creating a, a, a large amount of our chances on the left, for sure. Uh, but, yes, going backwards, yes, he does need to shore up a little bit of that defensively. But uh, I think, yeah, you know, I think he is that guy that, you know, we're uh, we're wanting to see more of and want to see if we can put it together. But, um, yeah, in my midfield, I have Hosetu, Remedi, and Heinemann. Uh, Remedi is more of that guy that's sitting. Uh, Heinemann more of the guy that's combining with uh, the Fords. And Hosetu is kind of hopefully... Uh, what he's brought in here to do a little bit as kind of one of the guys that can supplant a little bit of what Nagby did in kind of just being able to connect those lines very well and you know just very um, clean cycle of possession and hopefully he can do that for us but uh, we haven't really been able to see that much but hopefully he is uh, put in there so we can maybe uh, see more of it. Uh, PT Embarco as uh, the wide men and uh, Kubo Torres up top for me, yeah, he might not be match fit, but I think um, for me, it's a guy that, you know, you give him 60 minutes, you give him a run out, and yeah, you take him off, you give him a just a, you know, definite hook of how many minutes uh, he's able to play. And, uh, you know, and then you bring on, you know, maybe Castro, like, uh, like Chris was saying, or an Adam John. And so... Um, it'll, it'll depend obviously on game states, but I think, uh, you know, I think being able to integrate at least one of Kubo Torres and Jurgen Dom, uh, I think will be not only important for, uh, you know, excitement, but also, uh, you know, making sure that they can gain more match fitness because if they only get, you know, 15, 20 minutes, it's not really going to help a ton. They have to be able to, you know, see what's in the tank, but Anyway, let's move on from that and uh, let's give our thoughts on what we would like to see the team do this game. For me, it's definitely finish our chances. What about you guys, Mark? I hope we create those chances, you know. Um, Like I said, that's, yeah, you know, I just want to see good interplay. Um, I want to see players comfortable uh, where they're playing. I, I, I do want to echo something that Chris said earlier in terms of not expecting too much, you know, like not expecting a pretty free-flowing type of game necessarily, but I do expect uh, some of our better players, uh, especially if they're comfortable now, to uh, kind of have an impact on the game. So, like I said, you know, I just, I'm, whatever whether it's a front three or front four, however it is, I do want to see that, uh, that interplay. Um, at least I want to see this kind of look like what, uh, what we're used to before DeBoer. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, um, I I I do too. I, I do want to see what what we can do, um, but I I'd like to see some sustained pressure. Um, you know, I think a lot of times there's you know, especially over the past year or so, it's just been a lot of staggering possession in the middle of the of the pitch and not really much in the way of pressure 
on the other teams um, defending third. So I, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Bello, um, you know, I'd like to see Bello in the in the final third. I, I'd like to see, um, you know, whoever our striker may be, you know, um, uh, you know, making runs, you know, if not behind because they're playing so deep. But, you know, if, you know, moving, making defenders feel uncomfortable and not knowing who to guard, I, I'd like for there to be, um, you know, some fear that the other team is going to concede. And I, I'd like to see that again. Yeah. Uh, I think finally for me, it's, I think uh, we want, I think we want to see some more continuity between the lines and they'll have to, uh, the players will have to bring high energy for themselves because yeah, there will not be any fans. There will be fake noise pumped in, but Yes, there will not be any fans. And so, uh, yeah, they look to the crowd and they hear noise. It's There's still nobody there. So it's uh, <laughs> it's still uh, going to be an artificial feeling. But um, anyway, so let's move on to the odds. And Bet365 has us at 60% to win, uh, a 25% chance to draw, and a 21.7% chance of natural winning. So, with all that being said, let's get into our score predictions. Mark, what do you have? I think it's going to be goals in this. I think uh, it will kind of end up being an open match, especially if Atlanta United play on the front foot, you know, and then Nashville sit back and look to counter. I I do think uh, we're still vulnerable in defense, probably. So, I I wouldn't be surprised if if Nashville gets a couple of looks on the counter. So, I'm going to say that this is a 2-2 match. Okay. Uh, Chris, what do you got? Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for two one. Um, and I, you know, I, I agree with Mark. I think that I don't see us keeping a, a, a clean sheet per se. I think there's going to be some chances, and and I really do think that you know our lack of you know, obviously with with the lineup, I I predicted. I you know I don't see a lot of height in there, so I think that our our weakness on those on those set pieces might, you know, might undo us a little bit. But I do think that we have enough going forward um, on paper to, at the very least, um, you know, get enough shots on target that ideally we can we can convert into that too. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Chris has a win. Mark has a draw. I have a 1-0 win. And, yeah, not an exciting scoreline, obviously, but I think something in the win column, something as Fernando Mesa said, a little bit ugly, totally fine. We just need to get in the kind of not only win column, but in the right direction, looking better, performing better, and a result in the win column. So what are your score predictions? Let us know in the comments below. But that pretty much does it for the entire show, except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, what do you think of the implementation of the kind of uh, kind of fake atmosphere that LA United have been talking about? What do you think of it? Let us know in the comments below. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark and Chris, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah.